Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Helen. And this is the Squiggly Careers podcast, where every week we talk about a different topic to do with work and share some ideas for action and tools to try out that we hope will help you. And let's be honest, every week it helps us to navigate our squiggly career with that bit more confidence, clarity and control. And if you are a regular listener and you don't want to miss out on an episode or all of the resources that we create to go along with the conversation that we have, sign up for Podmail. It is an email that goes out on a Tuesday, hence it's Podmail because it's about the podcast. And in Podmail, you will get the links to our pod notes, our pod sheets, details about Pod Plus, all things Squiggly Careers are basically in there. And it will come into your inbox about 8.30 every Tuesday. If you want to sign up for that, go to the show notes and then you'll find a link in there. And if you can't find the show notes, then just email us. We're Helen and Sarah at squigglycareers.com. And today's Squiggly Careers conversation is all about how to create your career criteria. It's something that we talk about on quite a few of our sessions, actually. I think when we talk about exploring your future possibilities and we think about using your strengths more at work, we often come back to this idea of career criteria, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast before. So we thought it might be useful to share it with people. So in terms of what a career criteria is, it's really just a list of things that are important to you about the work that you do. And that might include what's important to you about what you work on, like the type of work or when you work. So like the, the shape of your working week, for example, where you work, maybe like the type of businesses that you like to work in, like the how of your work, the why of your work. It's getting a list of things that feel personal and specific to you and using that as a guide for the decisions that you make about your career. It isn't a job title or a job description that's exactly what you want to do. So it's not, I want to, you know, it's not me going on LinkedIn, looking up a job and going, that's my career criteria, because that's that's a job and it might be interesting to you, but we're trying to get you to think a bit more broadly with the career criteria, because if you have a career criteria, what it helps you to do is look beyond a job title or a single job description and think a bit more broadly about what you could do and where you could find your fit. And one of the things that Career Criterias has always really helped me with is not getting distracted by what we sometimes called shiny object syndrome. And shiny object syndrome is job titles, as Helen's described. Maybe it's a brand that just seems very glamorous. Maybe it could be about a salary, but something that on the surface does feel very sort of jazz hands. Yeah. Um but you the jazz re- hands job <laughs> i know a jazz hands job but you realize i think quite quickly that those shiny objects do tarnish and so it's really questioning yourself in terms of 
what are your career criteria and those things that last way beyond some of those shiny things on the surface and I have made some difficult but definitely right decisions because I knew my career criteria and I think I've also made some really bad decisions in my career earlier on where I hadn't thought about this enough and I felt like maybe other people were more in control of my career than I was or I was doing perhaps what I thought I should do or what other people told me was a good idea to do without really stopping and questioning what's my career criteria what feels important to me about my decisions and my choices given in squiggly careers we're going to have a lot more of those this feels like something that you want to keep coming back to and I think when you have that insight into your career criteria, it also makes you much more confident in the conversations that you have. Because I feel once once you've got clarity on it, you can go into a conversation and you can say, well, this is you know the sorts of things that I'm interested in and this is why I'm interested in it. And I think once you have that knowledge, I don't feel like you know you don't feel like you have to apologize or you have to defend it. You're just saying, well this is this is what I want to do in my career and I'm, I'm I hope I can do that here. I'd like to find a way to do that here. But ultimately this is the things that are important to me. And I do think it helps you have better conversations. Mm. It helps you to be a bit braver about to your point, a bit braver about some of the choices that you might make. And also it means I think you can get better support from other people because when you have clarity about about your career criteria other people can support you because you can be more specific about the support that you need and I think it's that clarity that you have that helps other people to help you in a way that might be more meaningful and for people who listen all the time you would have heard us talk a lot about strengths and values and I think of course we would always encourage you when you're thinking about career choices to start with some questions around Am I going to get the opportunity in this role or with this move that I might make to make my strengths stronger or to stretch my strengths? Am I going to get to use them first of all, but am I going to make them even stronger? And will my values show up and will I be able to live my values? And those are really good starting points, I think, as you're thinking about where your career could take you. I think the difference between those things and career criteria, or certainly in my experience of how I've used these, is I think career criteria are a bit more basic. (laughs) And uh, I sort of can't think of a better word to describe them than that, but they're a bit more day to day and they're a bit more in the here and now. And I think they maybe include some things that are just more about you and your life in general and trying to make all of your kind of work life fit feel right for you at that moment in time, because your career criteria do change. So where your values stay pretty constant and your strengths certainly develop over time. But, you know, we talked before you choose your super strengths. I think your career criteria does change, depends on, you know, what you learn about yourself, your self-awareness, but also your life stage and what are your priorities at the moment. And that's where I think, of course, they um, all come together and they're kind of blurred at the edges. But that's where I think career criteria ends up being a bit different. There's some like, I never say that word. Ikiagi. Ikiagi. Oh, I don't know how you say that. Yeah. You know that everyone knows. Everyone's Ikiga. Everyone's shouting at this podcast now going, that one. I feel like there's some sort of Venn diagram where you have like your values, what makes you you, your strengths, like what you want to be known for, and then your career criteria, which is how you do what you want to do. And yeah. I think if you can get those, I mean, I'm not saying it's easy, everybody, but if you can think about your career opportunities and design your career around those things, you will be 
fulfilled because you're using your values you'll be increasing your impact because you're using the stuff you want to be known for and you'll be happier in work because you'll be working in a way that works for you and at some point there's some squiggly career sweet spot in the middle of all that (laughs) that is is the aim i I know there is definitely gonna be a diagram um, but maybe this should be called how to find your squiggly career sweet spot (laughs) maybe that's the podcast title maybe (laughs) so what we're going to talk about is how to firstly find out your career criteria so what you want from work a couple of ideas for action and exercises that we've always found helpful secondly understanding your constraints so understanding our reality and what might be getting in the way of that career criteria at the moment and then how you can use your career criteria to have really good career conversations some of the actions then that you can take once you've got that knowledge and awareness how can that lead to really useful conversations with other people So to start off with, in terms of finding your career criteria, the single best exercise I've ever done to help me with this is what we describe as the high-low career graph. This is a very visual thing, which I'm now going to attempt to explain (laughs) over audio. So let's see how this goes. But you can all imagine a kind of empty graph where on one axis, you've got how happy you are from sort of very unhappy at the bottom to super happy and living life at the top. And then on the other axis, you've got time and you can choose what's helpful for you in terms of that time period. So you might want to do all of your career. You might want to start from your first job ever and go through all of your career. Or you might want to choose the last couple of years or the last five years, whatever feels most helpful for you. And what you are doing on that graph is plotting your own personal highs and lows. So what were the highs? What were those really good moments? Where were you sort of somewhere in the middle? Did you have any sort of dramatic lows? Everybody's graph ends up looking, unsurprisingly, relatively squiggly because (laughs) we know there's no such thing as a straight line to success. But the important thing about doing that graph is not sort of the line as such. It's what you can learn from that line. And it's thinking about what do your highs have in common and what can you learn from your lows? And that's where sometimes really diving in on maybe one year can be helpful because you can get very specific and you can remember. And I've done this looking at this through loads of different lenses. I can still do it thinking about all of my career because I've done this exercise quite a few times and I've got some really dramatic lows along the way. And I've really learned about what happened and why those lows happened in the way that they did. Why did those moments feel so hard for me? And then I really remember like my first ever high And I often talk about it um, in some of our workshops and I won't talk about it now because we don't need to in today's podcast, but I've got a real spike probably about five years into my career where suddenly I found my flow for the, like for the first time I was like, wow, work can feel like this. And, and also I am so much better at this job than any job I'd done before. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so plot your line on your graph And then just look back, think about what have your highs got in common? What can you learn from your lows? And I would suggest doing this as a bit of a mind map. So all you're trying to do at this point is just get as many words as possible onto a page. Don't question yourself too much. Don't try and figure out what next just just yet. Just get all of your insights. What do you notice? What do you observe about the really good stuff and also the really bad stuff along the way too? So once you've got that information about your career, where you've been so far, whether that's, as Sarah said, a week, a year, or or since you started, what we then want to do is layer on another bit of insight onto top of this. And that is, what are your career must-haves versus your nice-to-haves? And I think this is more useful when you think about 
what does that look like with where I am today? So not mm-hmm. generically, what must I have in my career? So I must have flexibility or I must have freedom. Or I must have learning because you probably do need that for you. But I think it gets much more useful when you think, well, where I am right now in my life, what what really must I have? So for example, I have got two relatively young children, a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. So what I must have now is a job that enables me to see them. Like previously, I've had a job where I travelled an awful lot and I loved it at the time because then the thing that was really important to me was kind of, you know, must have a job where I get to learn to be a better leader and leading people in different countries and travelling and learning different things. That was really, really important to me. That is a sort of a nice to have now. It's still something that's important to me, but what is more important, what I must have is a job that enables me to achieve and make an impact. That's fundamental to me, like achieving and making an impact. But I also must have a job that enables me to see my children. So if I was travelling all the time now, that wouldn't be the right thing for me to do. And it is just thinking about where I'm at right now. What ultimately do I want? Like I would just start with a list of like all the things that I want. So I want to make a difference and I want to have an impact and I want to see my family and I want to see, you know, meet lots of people through my work and I want to learn new things. Like I would write it all down, just get it all out because, you know, it's quite fun too. But then look at your list of stuff and really start to divide it. Of all these things, what really must I have right now with where I'm at? And what really is nice to have that if I had to choose between the two of these things, there would be one that would top trumpet. And it is really that must have list that you need to hold on to quite tight because sometimes you might make a decision and you might unknowingly trade that stuff off. Like I might be like, oh wow, a job with loads of travel in it, amazing. And I still probably would think that, but ultimately that's probably a nice to have for me right now. And if it conflicts with my must-haves, I'm probably not going to make the right decision. And that might be something to do in the future, but my must-have for right now probably isn't that. And I think at any one time, we probably only have between sort of two and four must-haves. You might have a few more, you might have a few less, but I always really challenge myself when I do this exercise. I find I always really enjoy creating a wish list. Like I like to have a really long career criteria to get started with, with all those insights from the highs and the lows. But then almost, as Helen said, making those choices between going, what really matters to me right now? that's particularly useful and actually if you can share it with someone else it does make it even more helpful and when I say someone else this might not be a manager I think this is more likely to be a work best friend so we've talked before about the importance of having kind of best friends at work some great research about how important it is in terms of our resilience and how much we enjoy the work that we do but I really distinctively remember at certain points in our careers Helen and I talking about our must-haves to each other And then holding each other to account when we were both quite tempted to do things that probably wouldn't have been right, but had got a lot of shininess, but would have contradicted one of those must-haves. So occasionally it's quite helpful to have, we sometimes call it like an accountability partner, but I just basically think of this as someone who can call you on it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Someone who can go, okay, but you said to me that it was really important to work a four-day week, Sarah. You have just been offered a job. This is Obviously, this is a real example because I can't make, I, can't, I basically can't make stuff up particularly well on the spot. But one of my must haves for a long time, for about four or five years, was to work a four day week so I could spend a day on Amazing If. And I once interviewed for a job that I really wanted, and they, I talked about working a four day week. It was all fine until they offered me the job. And then they said, But you've got to work a five day week. And I remember being like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe I should take it. Also, I needed to get a job at some point. And I really remember having a conversation with Helen where she was like, You told me 
the four day week thing was a must have. And you talked about how important it was and you light up when you know you've got that extra day. And it wasn't like we were running Amazing If particularly seriously. I was just spending a day learning and absolutely loving it. And so I I wanted that freedom of that day. And so just in that moment, someone else knowing your must-haves, when you are making difficult decisions or you maybe got a choice where you're like, oh, I've got two or three options, it can be quite useful, I think, for a work best friend to know your must-haves. I agree. It's actually making me think a little bit that I don't think you and I have talked about it for a while because no. our work has been growing. Because we're too busy working. Because <laughs> yeah, we're, well, yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking, I, like, I, don't know, I was just thinking that for both of us, what's probably quite important is that our work is not our entire world. Like as in you liked having the diversity of a four day week and a one day week. And, mm. you know, it's part of the reason, you, you know, I work for the charity and you do the thing with the mayor of London is that we've got some things that we learn from outside of the work that we do. And I think that's probably one of our must-haves, but I think we could do with a bit of a refresher and we should reconnect on our must-haves so we can support each other. Right, I feel like you've given me another action. (laughs) In doing style, I'm like, you've given me something else to put on my to-do list. (laughs) Oh, sorry, I'm really sorry. (laughs) (laughs) You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewellery. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Life is full of what-ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. so you've done your your high-low career graph you've thought about your must-haves versus your nice-to-haves the next thing to think about is a squiggly career success statement and this I think is just to have something that really brings it into a relatively neat articulation now we know people that have done squiggly career success statements actually visually they've Mm. almost like created a visual they've drawn it out which we love because we use so much visualization in our in our workshops but they've almost drawn like what their success looks like or they've got one word or a quote it doesn't really matter but how you do it it can be a nice statement or it could be a quote or it could be a picture but there's some way I think to summarize some of these insights that we've got so success in my squiggly career means to me dot 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 and then you can 
draw it, stick a quote, like, you know, one of the quotes I like is, it means to me, challenging my limits, not limiting my challenges. Some, you know, you might have like a nice pithy thing that you attach yourself to. It's just something that is meaningful and motivating for you that brings all these different insights that we've gone through with the high-low and the must-haves and the must-nots together into something that you can, I think, hold. This is the thing that you go to first and reminds you of what you want work to be. Mm. As you were describing that, I was thinking, oh, what would mine be? And I think mine is the same as the best piece of career advice that I always share with people when people ask that question or when, you know, we ask other people that question. My answer is always never live the same year twice. Mm. And I think that's mine. I think that's my success statement because variety is one of my values. Back to how this connects with our values. I like new stuff. So I love ideas and I love starting stuff from scratch. And I think all of, you know, you talked about your squiggly career sweet spot and the diagram yeah. that I'm sure you'll create. I sort of go. <laughs> it's going in, on social media. I've already in, made a note. <laughs> I'm sure. I've got no doubt. But I think in the middle of that diagram for me, it would say never live the same year twice. So it's almost interesting, like what your statement could maybe go in the middle. I can't believe I'm helping you now to create the diagram that, <laughs> that I'm not even sure we need. But uh, that's what I would put in the middle of mine, I think. I actually think mine genuinely would be challenge your limits, don't limit your challenge, because I think I'm so motivated by what you can do if you, you know, if you pursue your passions. And, and I, that, I find that very motivating as a driver for my career. So, yeah, I think that probably would be mine. Oh, look at us getting some clarity. <laughs> <laughs> look at us continuing to basically use our own podcast to help ourselves. That's, what, that's yeah, what's happening ourselves. right now. Amazing. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for listening along, everybody. So now you've got your career criteria, you've got your squiggly career sweet spots, diagram that you can fill in, and there will be a fillable PDF coming your way. So now we are going to think about what might be getting in your way. So we're going to go from finding out your career criteria to understanding your constraints. And we've taken a bit of inspiration here from Tash Walker, who is the founder of a research agency called The Mix, who, amongst other stuff, has some brilliant resources on the importance of a four-day week, was doing a four-day week, I would say, far before it was fashionable years to before. do so. Yeah, years yeah. before, loads of stuff. And she shared a post that I, I think I saw it because you liked it first, Sarah, on it uh, on LinkedIn. I just read um, it and I just thought, that is genius. You know, when you read something and you're like, yes, you are so right. <laughs> well, explain. Explain for our listeners what was genius about her yes. post. <laughs> so we're going to borrow some brilliance from Tash and hopefully she'll be okay. We do know her, so we're hoping she'll be okay <laughs> with this. And in this post, she was talking about the word insight and how insight often gets misinterpreted or perhaps used in the wrong way. And she just defined insight in such a simple and straightforward way. It really stuck. And so we're going to use that. We're going to use her definition and then we're going to apply it to this idea of almost connecting your career criteria with your constraints. So how do those two things connect together? So let me just talk you through the framework first, Tasha's framework, and then we'll give you a few examples. So the first bit is I want. So this is what do you desire? What's your goal? What's your ambition? Second part, because. Like, why do you want this? Why is it important to you? final part but what's the tension the constraints the one thing that's holding you back the obstacle that's getting in your way so it's I want because but and it helps you to get to a very simple and straightforward way of sharing kind of where you are I think with your career criteria and and acknowledging those obstacles so I remember thinking back to when I was at Sainsbury's I was very clear that I wanted to work a four-day week because I wanted to spend a day developing Amazing If, but I couldn't see any examples of other people a bit like me. 
So my constraint felt like, you know, not having role models or not feeling confident because I couldn't see anyone else who'd done what I wanted to do before. Or if I I was then trying to think, right, let's do it in the here and now. And I was thinking, right, I want to spend more time developing new ideas because it's one of my strengths and it's something that I enjoy and gives me loads of energy and it's how I make careers better for everyone. But I don't feel I have space in my week at the moment. The reason I think it's such genius is I really like the simplicity and I like that clarity. So when I was writing those sentences, they're sort of almost half a sentence. So they are so short and pithy and specific. And I think it helps to clarify your thinking. So I'm someone who definitely, as a thinker, I meander and I wonder and my head goes in loads of different directions. So just having this framework just helped me to bring my thoughts together in a very sort of concise way. I think the other thing it really helps with is that you can get much more specific about the support that you now need. So if you take Sarah's example of the four day week, she ended with, but I can't see examples of other people like me. And so you're like, okay, so that's what I need. That's what I need to see. I need to see other people who've made this work or the one about Sarah said she wants to spend more time developing ideas, but then the kind of constraint at the end that she got to was, but I don't feel like I've got space in my week at the moment. So then what she needs to get some support with is redesigning how she's spending her time at work. So that she has the space and she might not have got to that mm. clarity of how to overcome that constraint until she'd gone through that process of, of kind of really reflecting on that insight. So we would highly recommend that you take the I want because and but approach to exploring what might be getting in the way of you realising your career criteria because it helps you to be much more realistic about it and specific about the support which then takes us on to the third one so we've done the criteria we've done the constraint and now we're going to go on to career conversations and the point here is no one really succeeds on their own. Even when you see the people who look very brilliant and very successful in their <laughs> lovely posts and they're all, you know, it's not just the shiny the shiny object, it's the shiny person. <laughs> they have probably got a team of people behind the scenes, mentors, a manager, a team of people who enable them to be at their best. And understanding how you can use this insight that you've developed in your career conversations to get the support that you need will help you to succeed so much more than going it alone in your career. And so what we want to do now is think, well, how do I take what I've got and use it in the career conversations that I do need to have? So the first thing that we'd say about these conversations is that your commitment creates commitment. So we've said before, we don't want our development to be dependent on other people. So what we're not turning up to these conversations and doing is um, Helen's my manager and I just turn up and go, right, I want to work a four day week, but there's no examples, help or or ideally sort it out for me. So we don't want to kind of be passive. We still want to take ownership for these conversations. And certainly I would always recommend to people that once you are clear on your criteria and your constraint, you do some options and some exploring and some ideas and you might even take some actions before some of these conversations often we say some of the best career conversations are where you've got halfway there you've almost or maybe you've basically you've gone as far as you feel that you can go and then you've recognized it's a moment where you need some someone else's input or ideas or perspective so just make sure that you've sort of done some of that hard graft first because I think when people hear you talking for yourself about going well I've looked at this or I've thought about this and it shows that you really care people see that commitment and they'll think 
well, how can I help? And I've probably told the story before on the podcast, but certainly when I was talking to my manager about working a four day week, I mean, I wouldn't recommend taking this approach, but the approach I did take was creating about an 18 page PowerPoint (laughs) on why working a four day week was going to work, why it was a good idea, why they should definitely say yes. Now, don't create an 18 page PowerPoint. That was not a smart thing to do and not a good use of my time. But do you know the one thing I think it did do is it showed I was incredibly committed. (laughs) I mean, my God, was I committed to that idea. And I think what that person probably saw was like, okay, I mean, not great judgment to go and do the 18-page PowerPoint, sure, but she obviously really cares and she has thought about it a lot and she has explored it. And I had gone and looked at examples of four-day weeks elsewhere and talked to some other people who'd done it and looked at some different models of how I might have done it. I mean, I'd really thought about it. That much was definitely clear. And then I think I got more support as a result. So it wasn't just, oh, this is a kind of, it didn't feel like a nice to have. You know, when you're like, oh, this would be nice or I'd I'd quite appreciate this if we can do it. It didn't feel like a maybe. It felt like something where I was like, I really want to make this happen. This feels really important to me. And then, but equally, I couldn't, I couldn't do that by myself. That wasn't a decision I could make and just initiate on my own. And so I guess that's the action that you take ahead of the conversation Mm. to create more commitment and support in the conversation. The other thing that's really important is that when you have that conversation, you, you want it to be as open as possible. So the aim in our career conversations is to get the support that we need, but to be sort of open about perhaps what that could look like. So rather than saying, Sarah, I want you to find me someone who can answer this exact question. What I would say to Sarah is one of the things that's important to me is to learn more about I don't know leadership at work do you know anyone who could help me explore this further so I'm sort of giving Sarah a broad this exploring word is actually really interesting because Sarah could take that in lots of different directions but those sorts of questions do you know anyone else who could help me explore this thing that's important to me further is a really good one to keep a conversation open so that someone can sort of connect dots for you if you're too fixed about the support that you need you don't really help them to connect the dots another really nice open question might be what do you think I need to learn more about to take this forward like you're not giving someone the answer which is I want to learn about this can you put me on this course which is quite fixed and closed you're saying well if this is what's important to me what do you think I need to learn more about to take this forward and you're not entirely sure where they're going to you know what they're going to suggest to you or who they're going to connect you with but that's the point because you're going to benefit much more from what they know or who they know if you let them connect the dots and you stay open to that outcome and a third question that you could ask, which I think actually is really interesting where this goes, because it is so open, which is, and what do you think I might be missing? And you've got no idea where that will go, but that's the point because you'll get lots more information and insight if you ask those sorts of questions in the conversation. And what I think can be challenging, but it's really important for us to keep in mind as we're having these conversations, is we don't want to be fixed. So we don't want our career to be fixed to one future, but also we want to be flexible about how that career criteria might happen. So even though, as I've described, I really wanted to work a four day week that was, you know, in my must haves, I was still very open to how we made that happen. Did I try it for a month? Did it have to be a four day week? Could it be two days 
once a month. I also think as part of your must-haves, you want to hold on tightly to those because they are really important to you. But I think people have better quality conversations with you when they feel like you are not fixed in terms of the exact outcome. You know, so if I'd have said, well, I want to work a four-day week and I want that to happen by next month, and it's sort of that or nothing, then that makes someone else defensive. They feel like they're being backed into a corner and no one wants to have that conversation. Whereas I think my most successful career conversations have always been where I've done the commitment thing, I've always done the hard work first, but I have been flexible about my career criteria. So, oh, well, it might not be able to be achieved quite in the way that I'd like right now. Oh, but I can see that we might get there in a couple of months or there are some things we're going to try out. And when you're positioning these conversations, they're really about exploring and being curious. I think then you get much better insights and ideas from the other person because you're not putting them on the spot to make a decision and people never respond well to being surprised. So again, if I'm going to talk to Helen about developing new ideas, if I just turn up to a conversation with Helen and just say, well, I want more space in my week to have new ideas, Helen, so I'm just going to spend half a day doing that, that actually feels very fixed and quite unhelpful and quite hard for Helen to respond to. Like, you know, what's she going to do? It feels quite binary. It's like, well, yes okay then or no I don't you've already made the decision so why are you talking to me I mean you're not really having a career conversation with me you're telling me something exactly so I think we want to keep these conversations as open and as exploring as possible and but you know we're not talking about letting go of those must-haves but I think just always having that adaptability you know what Adam Morgan who we interviewed back in January describes that stubbornly adaptive mindset of being clear of you know, what do we really want to hold on to? And what might it be okay to let go of for a while or for a bit? And just bring that approach to those conversations. Because I found I've had much more effective conversations when I've been had kind of that mindset. And I've also made the mistake, I think, sometimes of having conversations where I've been too fixed about my future, about, you know, plans rather than possibilities, about what needs to happen in exactly what order, versus just having that flexibility and also remembering you don't need to fix everything in one conversation I was talking to someone about this today and I think so often because we say like having a career conversation we almost Mm. put a full stop at the end of it and I think just remind yourself it's career conversations because most of these sorts of conversations are rarely complete in one sort of sitting in one half an hour slot you're very unlikely to suddenly realize all of your career criteria so see it as a series of conversations which might be with one person or might be with a number of different people ideally like more people right more people yeah. more ideas more input into your careers is what we really want so just to summarize then step one is find out your career criteria that's the what you want from work step two is understand the constraints what might get in your way and then step three is to use that in your career conversations so that you can get the support that you need to succeed in your squiggly career So we hope that that has been helpful. We hope it's created a bit of clarity. We always think that, you know, squiggly careers are full of uncertainty and ambiguity, but things like having a career criteria can give you back a bit of control, can create that bit of clarity that you might need. So hopefully that has done that for you. And don't forget there's the pod sheet. So we'll summarise all of this on the pod sheet. And at some point soon, there will be a squiggly career sweet spot 
thing sort of appearing somewhere <laughs> as soon as I've got around to developing it, which I wish I would do. And if you've been listening for a while and perhaps you've been meaning to get around to leave us a review or a rating or to share it with someone, please take five minutes and do that five minute favour for us. That's how we continue to share Squiggly and keep growing. And we really appreciate it. All of our podcasts has always grown just by you all telling other people oh, this is worth a listen. And then that person telling another person. And that's how we went from my mum to 2 million downloads. So if you've got a chance to do that, uh, we really appreciate it. And we do do read every review and we do really appreciate them all. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Speak to you again soon. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye for now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.